This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. I'm so grateful you're here today. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I actually have a guest host on the show today. I decided it was time to take a much needed week off from work and just be with my family. And my good friend, Lauren Flores, who is the co-host of the Up and Running podcast, which is in the Sandy Boy Productions Network, is stepping up to the plate to host an interview over here this week. This is the first time in the four years that I've had this show that I've ever had a guest host. So I'm excited to do this. I'm excited to take a week off and I'm really grateful that Lauren has agreed to do this. This episode will also be edited by my assistant, Emma Benner. Another first. I've never had someone else edit one of these shows. So I'm really excited to just let these ladies take over. I know they're going to do an amazing job and I'll let Lauren take it from here. Enjoy Lauren's conversation. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. As you can probably tell from my voice, I am not Lindsay. My name is Lauren Fleuris, but Lindsay was kind enough to ask me to guest host today's episode of the podcast. I am the host of Up and Running, which is another show in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. And we are a news-based podcast that keeps you up to date on all of the latest news in elite and professional distance running. Today, I am excited to bring you my conversation with Matt Yano. Matt is a professional runner for Under Armour and Dark Sky Distance, and he lives in Flagstaff with his boyfriend and their two dogs. In 2014, Matt represented the United States at the World Half Marathon Championships, and in 2016, he placed six at the Olympic Marathon Trials in LA. In this episode, Matt and I talk about his coaching business, Find Your Fast. We talk about the ups and downs of his running career. We talk about joining Dark Sky Distance and his experience with and recovery from COVID-19 these past few months. And we also dive into some fun hobbies that have been keeping him busy during 2020. There's a lot of good stuff in there. So let's just dive right in to my conversation with Matt Yano. Well, hi, Matt. Welcome to All Have Another. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So as we get started, I was thinking maybe we should have you introduce yourself to the audience. I'm sure lots of people have heard your name, know who you are, but maybe tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, how you got into running, where you live now, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, my my name is Matt Lano, Matt Yano sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's technically Yano, but no one ever gets it right. So we've kind of just <laughs> gone back and forth. Um, but I, I am originally from New York, um, grew up kind of all up and down the East Coast, New York, Virginia, Maryland, um, went to high school in uh, Annapolis, Maryland, Broadneck High School, Bruins, um, and then went to college at the University of Richmond, a small little D1 school in Virginia. Um, and then um, after that, moved out to Minnesota for a year and then moved on to Flagstaff, which is where I live now and it's where I've been for eight and a half years. So um, it's been kind of a long, 
journey to get here. But uh, to think now that I've already lived here eight and a half years, is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, So when you were making that decision to go to Richmond, I also went to like a smaller D1 school. And so I love talking to other people who, especially people like you who have gone on to make this their like pro career, what went into that like college decision and how you think that played into going pro post collegiately when you didn't go to, you know, Oregon or Washington or one of like the big time schools. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I, when I was coming out of high school, I I wasn't, um, I, I was by no means like a top tier kind of runner. I wasn't getting recruited by all these places. And, um, I was getting letters, you know, high schoolers get all these letters from all these yeah. schools and, um, which felt cool at the time. Um, but I wasn't getting recruited by the big guys. And, um, I think I'd run by the end of my high school career, I'd run 425 in the mile, um, 944 in the two mile, which is nothing special, especially today. You look at all these guys running, you know, eight forties in the two mile and under four in the mile, some yeah. of them. Um, and so I was not like a particularly strong talent coming out of high school, but um, I kind of think that that helped my overall long-term development because um, I did have a sit down with my, with my high school coach at one point And he was like, you know, what? I think you are good enough to pursue this at the college level and um, who knows where you can go from there. And so it was never something that I was thinking about long-term as like, I want to be a professional runner. And I wasn't like, I watched the Olympics growing up, but I was never someone who was like, I want that to be me one day. And, you know, I don't know. I, I think that that's, it's like part of my story. Cause I think we hear this a lot where, you know, little kids or people now telling their stories as they were little kids. And they're like, you know, I grew up from four years old watching the Olympics and I wanted to be an Olympian. And my mom was a runner and this and that. And I didn't come from that kind of a background. So um, we watched it, but it was kind of just casual and I never thought of myself as potentially having a legitimate shot at any point of making an Olympic team. So, um, I've come a long way since those early years, but, um, I think like that going to Richmond, I think was a nice progression for me because it allowed me to really build slowly over the four, over the five years that I was there. Yeah. Um, instead of just kind of getting thrown into a system, maybe that I wasn't ready for, um, maybe more of a school that kind of churns people out or it's like, um, you know, whoever can, whoever can handle this mileage makes it through or whoever can handle this, this volume of hard work makes it through and everyone else gets hurt and burnt out and quit. Yeah. Um, and I never reached that point. I was still improving every year. Um, and I left college still feeling a hunger to keep chasing after these dreams and chasing after um, the pursuit of whatever my best is going to be. So um, I think long term, it really helped uh, yeah. in my case. Yeah, I love that. And I have like coached at the high school level and the college level. And I always, my goal was always to coach athletes to love running and to progress, but like not get to the end of either high school or college and be totally done with it. Like mm-hmm. I always told like my high school kids who, well, I'm in California and I grew up on the East Coast like you where I don't know if this is your experience in high school, but the mileage was lower. Like it just wasn't as big of a deal as it is here. And so my high schoolers were like really low mileage for California, but like high mileage compared to what I was used to. And they were all like, I want to do more. I want to do more. I was like, I'm training you so you can go to college and then improve. You're good now. So like, don't kill yourself and burn out here because I know you like have that goal to go to college. So I like kind of getting that out there for anybody that's in high school that's thinking like the only way to go is those big programs. There's a lot to be gained from going, again, to still a great school, but not 
something that's gonna prioritize the the best thing for the school over the best thing for you, the athlete. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I was um, just to touch on what you said yeah. a second ago. I my mileage in high school. It's another thing that I'm I'm in a way kind of grateful for um, going through high school really before social media was much of a thing. Yes. Um, because you know we didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and Strava and all those things. And I, I think there are good um, things about those different platforms, but um, we didn't have that, like, that danger of comparison when I was in high school. So I was running like 25 or 30 miles a week, which yeah. looking back on now, like, I, can't, like I, don't, I can't really imagine any high schooler running 25 or 30 miles a week and being like, yeah, like I'm doing the right thing. And even though that might be the right thing, there's such this idea now that you have to be running 100 miles a week in high school or whatever it is and you see these other athletes doing it and it works out for some of them but for others like I said with like some of the systems like you just get thrown in and if it doesn't work for you you just get kind of kicked out the backside and so I'm grateful that I didn't have to really deal with any of that when I was in high school and um, I think the biggest thing we had was like MySpace which yeah. some people probably don't even remember some people listening to this are probably like what's that um, but yeah, I, I'm glad to have gone through it when I did and yeah. uh, not have had to like compare and try to keep up with the Joneses like everyone I feel like is having to do now. Yeah. Did you see like coaches, they would like hear your times where they're like, oh, okay, like that's good. And then they like find out, oh, you run, run 20, 25 miles. Like, yes, I do want you on my team. When right. Being recruited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because I, I loved my high school coach and I think that he just really instilled a lot of really strong values, not only for my running, but also just in my life. And I, I had him as a um, teacher in one of my classes too. I took sign language with him. Um, and it was, uh, he was such an influence in my life and um, a positive influence in my life. And uh, just to think now, um, you know, to understand a little bit more now of maybe what was going through his head at the time and kind of like what you were saying with the high school athletes that you work with, it's like, yeah, I'm preparing you for the next thing, which is going to prepare you for the next thing and the next thing. Um, we don't want you to be peaking when you're 16 years old. Yes. Um, so it's, it's really kind of cool now. And to have, I've gotten into coaching as well now myself. And so I'm starting to understand how, you know, all these pieces of my career have kind of led to where I am now. And it's kind of, it's kind of fun to piece it all together and to think about it now. Yeah, that is really cool. Well, I was I have that down in my notes to chat about later, but let's dive into it because you mentioned it. Over the summer, you started your own coaching business called Find Your Fast. Do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of played into that decision and yeah, maybe the different influences that you've taken um, from your experience being coached as you now have ventured into being a coach? Yeah, yeah. It kind of it really my coaching journey started in like 2014. I started coaching for um, McMillan Running, uh, which was just based in Flagstaff at the time, which is where I was living. I moved here in 2012. And so I'd gotten to know Greg McMillan a little bit um, just through the running community here. And he had an elite group here at the time. And um, so I kind of got to know him a little bit and was looking for some part-time work because I wasn't uh, sponsored at the time. So I just was like, I was working full-time in a grocery store um, and I was like, you know, I, this would be great if I could find something that I could do a little bit more on the go if I wanted to go to a training camp or something at sea level uh, or, you know, travel to a race. I don't have to worry about asking for time off. I don't have to worry about like um, missing days of work and stuff like that. So I sat down with him and had a conversation and, and started to get into it. Um, 
into the coaching side of things in like middle to the end of 2014, maybe. And then I worked for him for a couple of years. And then going into the Olympic trials in 2016, I kind of backed away from coaching for a little while. Um, it was just, it got to a point that it was too overwhelming for me to work with the roster of athletes that I was working with at the time. So I kind of backed away from it. And then later in 2016 or maybe in 2017, um, I was approached by another coaching company, McCurdy Trained, oh, yeah. um, also based in Flagstaff. Uh, and he asked me if I would join on with his coaching uh, company. And at first I said, no, I was like, I'm not looking to get right back into it right now. And he was persistent. Um, and James is a good friend of mine. And so eventually he kind of wore me down and I got back into it. And I really started liking it a lot more. And I think it was, I had a better balance of my own life, my own running and what he was expecting and what like my athlete workload was going to be. So it was, it was really manageable for me. And I found I liked it a lot more. Um, and then these last couple of years, I just started to think, you know, as I'm setting myself up for the future, um, I'm kind of in a different place in my running career now. And I just wanted to start to figure out what I really wanted from coaching. And so I was like, you know what, I kind of want to go my own direction. I want to start my own company, um, be able to, um, come up with my own ideas and not, um, just follow, you know, whatever someone else is telling me to do over email or whatever. Um, and so it's been fun to just, just kind of get started with some ground level basics. And I've started to think about like where I can take it, different directions I can take it and things I can do. But it's also been such a weird year for a lot of different <laughs> reasons that, um, I'm just kind of taking it slow. I'm just enjoying the process. I'm, I'm taking on athletes little by little. Um, and just, just trying to have a lot of fun with it. That's awesome. Yeah. I also similarly was coaching under a group until like January and then was like, okay, I'm going to like break away, start my own thing. And then that's been a very interesting year to navigate, like starting something new like that. Um, about how many athletes do you work with? Like what, I know there's not like actual real races to be training for right now, but like what kind of distance are most of them training for and all that? Yeah, it's been an interesting year for that because um, I, you know, starting this back in July, it was like, I, I wondered if I, if anyone would even sign up. I'm like, there's no races that are probably going to happen for a while. So like, it's either people, a lot of people are going to sign up because they don't know what to do right now, you know, to keep training yeah. for future races or um, no one's going to sign up because there's no races to do. Yeah. Um, and I've found like a nice kind of middle ground. So um, right now I'm working, I think with about 20 athletes and I kind of have different tiers that I do. Um, so one of them is like personal one-on-one -on -one coaching, which is, you know, unlimited communication, text messages, phone calls, you know, all that stuff, updated training every week, changes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's another side where I build training plans for people so they can fill out this super in-depth questionnaire that I have. And then, um, I'll, I'll build out a training plan for whatever duration they want. And then it's kind of like a one-time thing. I'll send it to them. It's customized specifically for them, but then there's not really that ongoing interaction. Yeah. So those people, I don't really count in my total, um, cause it's kind of like a one-time thing, yeah. one-off kind of thing, but it's been fun. It's been a lot more manageable for me. It's been nice to just gradually pick up people kind of slowly throughout the year instead of like, you know, a 10 athlete dump at once where it's like, okay, here's 10 new people. Like, good luck. Um, <laughs> Cause it's, I find it's hard because I like to really personalize stuff. I like to have phone calls. I like to have FaceTime, especially in those initial interactions when you're trying to establish a new relationship. Um, so I do get overwhelmed if I have too many people signing up at all yeah. at once. 
Um, but it's been fun. So I guess that's maybe one of the silver linings of this year is that it kind of in some ways slowed things down a little bit and made it more manageable. And then hopefully, you know, in another year or two, I, I hope to be at like a, what I would consider like a full capacity, um, you know, where I'm, I'm coaching full time, but I also have my own running on the side, on the side, but full time also. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun. I like to stay busy. Um, but it's, it's one of those things I've realized in the last couple of years that if I can like help other people with stuff that I've learned throughout my career, then that's kind of a, it's kind of a, an interesting and fun opportunity to have. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about coaching other people? Oh man. I think it's my favorite thing is probably like giving someone a session that they'll text me about, you know, the night before or something. And they're like, what are you thinking? There's no way. <laughs> like I cannot do this. And I'm like, you can actually, you, you are capable of doing this. Like you're, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to wrap your mind around it, but you can do this. I wouldn't give it to you if you couldn't. Yeah. Um, and then to get the, you know, the follow-up text or phone call the next day where they're like, I just did, I just crushed that. Like I'm so blown That's away. Awesome. I didn't think I could do it. Just, yeah. Just having people like in, empowering people to have these moments of realization that they can do something that they previously thought they couldn't. I think that's my favorite thing about it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think my favorite thing that I've especially been noticing this year is like not even like seeing people's times for workouts or whatever improve, mm -hmm. but like noticing the changes on their notes for like a workout. So one yeah. of these athletes I started working with a little bit before the Olympic trials and actually like met her randomly in the hotel lobby <laughs> the day before. Um, she had like struggled with a lot of like mental, like positive thinking during her workouts. And she'd be like, mm -hmm. I got really down on myself because I like didn't hit it by one second. And then the workout just like went off the rails. And now slowly, little by little to this past week, she was like, I stayed positive. I didn't look at my watch one time. Like I trusted that I was going the right effort. And she ran like, I don't know, 15 seconds faster per mile repeats. But that that's pales in comparison to her being happy and positive while like yeah. doing the workout. So that is really fun to just see those changes in people. Yeah, that's a really, it's a really special thing too, when you're getting a lot of that feedback from athletes and you can see the progression and their change over time and changing their relationship with running in a positive way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I think that's amazing. Very cool. Well, I want to kind of jump back to like a year ago when you mm -hmm. ran Berlin. Um, you were self-coached at the time. And I think that's might be, I mean, you were six at the Olympic trials in 2016, but last year, Berlin, you had a really breakout race. And I think that's when a lot of listeners may have started to hear about you a little more. What was that race like? Why did you go into it not telling anybody you were doing it? And what, <laughs> what did it feel like crossing the finish line? Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it had been a kind of a rough couple of years for me leading into that. I, I, in 2016, as you mentioned, I was sixth at the Olympic trials and the marathon and um, was, was a little bit injured going into that race, but just kind of was like, it's the Olympic trials. I'm not going to miss it. So whatever I have to do to get there, I'm going to do it. And then the starting like basically that day, I didn't run for four months. Um, I just, I had to have some hip surgeries done and started training again and then ran another marathon a couple months later, New York city marathon and tore my labrum, had to have another surgery and six more months off. And so it was just a really uh, tough couple of years of injury. And then started coming back from that, had some other health issues and ended up leaving the team that I was part of and worked with uh, another coach for a little while. And that just didn't quite pan out. And so um, 
just a lot of up and down over these couple of years, you know, after what was kind of, kind of a career high for me of getting sick to trials. Like I, I think I, um, performed better there than, than other people thought I would have. I really thought I could have made the team that day. Um, I didn't obviously, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it was kind of a bittersweet day for me, but, um, coming off of all of that and then to go through this roller coaster of years where it was just like, I didn't know if I was done running. Um, there were times coming back from, from both sets of surgeries that like I would go out for a, a 20 minute run and I would make it like eight minutes and I'm like, Oh, I need to walk. You know, I, it was, it was hard. Like it was hard starting back from scratch and, you know, starting back with like a minute, minute jog, minute walk and, you know, really starting at the very basics. And, um, and I didn't know if I could make it through all that stuff. So it was a tough couple of years. And then I started to get back to this point where I was like, I think I still have the desire to do it. I still think my best years are ahead of me. I did have a year of, of really good hard work, um, kind of mixed in the middle there, uh, in 2018 and tw- early 2019. And so once I started coaching myself in like April or May of 2019, I was like, I kind of need to take a step back. Like, I, I want to do this for me. I want to make sure I'm doing this for me and not like for social media and not for, you know, I wasn't sponsored at the time. So it was like, I, I have no one else to do this for except myself, really. Um, so I would go out and do all my runs alone pretty much. And my boyfriend would be like on the bike with me, um, which was huge because yeah. I wouldn't have gotten through like some of the sessions that I was doing alone. So that was huge. But I went into it just with a low key approach of like, I'm doing this for me. I don't need to be showy. I don't need to like splash it all over social media, what I'm trying to do. And um, once they released the Olympic standard um, of 211.30, I went back and forth, even like up to the day before the race, people were texting me like, what's your plan for the race? And just a few close people. And they're like, I think you can run 209. I'm like, that's not my goal today. My goal (laughs) is just like, I want a solid marathon. Like, let it be you know, back, like part of my, like a stepping stone to back to where I think I can be and um, just executed really well. I ran 211.14. So kind of just got under that 211.30 mark. And it was, it was the day I was really happy with what, with what I had gone through um, and the coaching changes and coaching myself and, you know, training alone, all that stuff. Um, I was just proud to have gotten back to a point that I was like, okay, I feel like that was a really good execution. I feel like I can build off of this and move forward in a, in a positive way. And there's a lot um, still to have learned from that segment as well. So overall, it was a, a really good experience. And it was Berlin has been good to me. I, I set a personal best there in 20, uh, 2015 and then went back there again in 2019 after not PRing since 2015. Um, and I set a new one there. Yeah. So um, it's been nice to me. Um, I, I will hopefully probably be back there at some point in the future. Um, with maybe a couple steps along the way. Yeah. Um, so I should probably know this, but is that the first marathon that you did since that one in the New York in 2017? Um, no. So I did. So New York City Marathon in 2016 was where I oh, tore oh, my labor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did 10 months after surgery. Um, I ran the Frankfurt Marathon and then CIM and then Tokyo and then Berlin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I had I had a few kind of mixed in, in there, there yeah. but yeah, some of them I didn't really talk about because they weren't great, uh, great races. Understandable. I feel that. 
So then after Berlin, you had a really good Houston. Obviously, everybody knows that the Olympic trials were in February of this year. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about that and then how you were feeling when the world shut down basically two weeks later? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, again, like coming off of Berlin, I was feeling really good. Um, I had just, you know, set a huge personal best. I took a little break, kind of reset, did a little vacation in Barcelona, which was amazing. Um, and then got back to Flagstaff and basically just got right back to work. And um, I was still coaching myself at the time and uh, wanted to use Houston and then another half marathon that was like a couple weeks later, two or three weeks later, the Mesa half marathon that's just down in Phoenix as kind of little tune-ups or like little um, just hard sessions um, kind of mixed into the middle of training. So I didn't really back off too much for them. Interestingly, I backed off a little bit more for Houston, but I felt way better in Mesa and I had run like 130 miles that week. So it was like (laughs) this, and I ran only seven seconds different. So it was like, it's a weird thing, but running is weird. But uh, yeah, I used Houston and Mesa as kind of tune-up races for the trials to kind of like blast Berlin out of my legs and get myself ready for a faster pace again um, and just kind of an unpredictable race in, um, in Atlanta. And then Atlanta was tough. It was super tough. I just, um, I think, I do think I was prepared for the hills, but um, just, I don't know if everything just was catching up to me and um, it was it was a, just a hard day kind of all around with weather, with um, the course was certainly tough and it was super crowded, which I wasn't really used to. Um, I don't know, just a lot of things. But I think the biggest thing was probably, probably just the emotional toll of like coaching myself and training yeah. alone for so long. And um, I was so, so, so craving something different than the scenario that I was in. Um, trying to make the best of it, but wanting something very different for myself. And so um, just was kind of caught in that in between. And I think just wasn't probably in the right mind space going into that race. And I think also just from having worked on my own for so long and, and not had that outside perspective, like I didn't, I didn't really know. I, I think I found myself questioning my training a little bit more instead of having someone else to be like, yeah, you're super prepared for this. You're ready. You've done the work. You know, I think there was a little part of me that believed that, but I think I was more so overcome by these thoughts of like, what if I'm not ready? What if I didn't do it the right way? What if I wasn't like, you know, running enough hills or running enough long runs or whatever? And looking back on it now, I do think that I had the body of work that I needed, but just not that outside perspective. So I think I just got a little bit too caught up in it and a little bit too emotional. I've been there. I understand those feelings for sure. I actually, let's get into joining a group because now you have joined Dark Sky Distance. That's a really exciting announcement. And literally the first question I had under that bullet point is, did it relieve the mental strain of coaching yourself? And how does it feel like to have that weight lifted off of you now? So what, how did this opportunity come up? What are you loving about being in a group now? And what are you looking forward to um, training with the team again? Yeah. Um, well, it's, so I started working with Stephen Haas as my agent about a year ago, a little over a year ago. He's um, an agent with Total Sports, and then he's also one of the coaches of Dark Sky Distance along with Shayla Houlihan. And it, for me, it, it was it kind of started as this, this agent relationship um, that I had with Stephen. And then we were kind of looking around for some different options, but we were like, well, let's kind of wait it's kind of too late to make a change before the Olympic trials. So let's wait until after 
so we kind of did that and then everything shut down and it was like all right well I don't know what we're gonna do now nobody's signing anyone and um, just the landscape of sponsorship is really weird and um, and still is but uh, the more that we talked about it the more I was just like you know I really would love to work with you and to work with Shayla and to stay here in Flagstaff and you guys are building something really amazing that I want to be part of and they're they're providing resources to athletes and um, you know testing and you know just all these things that I think can be really great contributors to a lot of success and so I saw this thing this this storm brewing that I wanted to be part of and so I went I talked with him and Shayla we talked it over and um, I just thought it would be a really good fit and to work with Under Armour is kind of like this full circle moment for me because um, it was the first Under Armour was the first company that I talked to back in 2014 um, before I had any sponsorship oh, cool. um, and they're a Maryland based company I went to high school in Maryland so there are kind of a lot of connections and um, the sports marketing manager is the same now as it was back then so oh, that's kind of, fun. to have the opportunity to reconnect with her was really cool and um, I actually was just back in Baltimore a few weeks ago for for a family funeral and met up with the sports marketing team in Baltimore and just, you know, it was really nice to reconnect with them and just to hear kind of what they're looking to do and what they're trying to build. Um, and it was just really that much more affirmation that this is where I want to be. This is the group that I want to be part of. And yeah, like to your point, it certainly eased the stress of me having to build all of my own training and decide exactly what to do. And it's kind of this, there is a little bit of a transition because I, I don't know if you've seen recently that I, I actually had COVID back in September into beginning of October. Um, so we've been really unsure of like how, how? to, yeah, like how to come yeah. back from that and how to safely, like just how to make sure that I'm doing everything safely and what protocols to follow and all this stuff. And so um, I've been working with doctors and my coaches to really make sure that we're doing it conservatively and but at the same time like enough to, that I can start making progress so it's been kind of this in between for now where I'm still designing some of my training um, but also like having the input of the coaches and you know they're kind of building the structure and the skeleton and I'm filling in some of the gaps with like where where I've been for the last couple months and kind of how I need to like make sure it's a smooth transition into the new system. So um, I'm super excited to be working with them with Under Armour and Dark Sky and just to have people to train with um, good quality people like where the running is fun and you can have the banter on the runs that um, that I so miss even like much as I've enjoyed listening to music and podcasts while I run. There's just something different, you know, about running with people that you care about and, you know, people whose lives you're involved in. And so for me, that's been a huge positive change over these last couple of weeks and months. Um, and I'm really looking forward to how that continues to evolve over the next yeah. couple of years, hopefully. Yeah, that's awesome. So when did you, the announcement was recent, but when did you kind of start training with them? I know we had that break because of COVID, but did you start training or know a while ago that you were going to be joining? Uh, it really hasn't been too long. Oh. I, I, I mixed in with a few workouts like really few and far between leading into the trial mm -hmm. um but then you know with the whole covid shutdown like i didn't run with anyone for months yeah. probably and then at the end towards the end of the summer i kind of started meeting up with people a little bit again um just in smaller groups and then um it's really just been over the last maybe like two months that um steven and shayla and i have started talking a little bit more about me working with them specifically one-on-one -on -one and 
Um, and then the whole discussion of joining the group and then it was going to Under Armour and seeing if they were interested and, you know, just kind of that whole process. Um, but it's been fun. It's been nice, like to have something exciting to look forward to. And again, just to feel like I'm part of something that's not just, you know, my own thing, um, but to be part of it with other people and with, you know, friends and to make new friends. Um, has been really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for you. And Dark Sky Distance seems to be like a really cool, fun group. Um, Lindsay has had some of your teammates on and has had Shayla mm-hmm. on. It was fun to hear hear from them there. And even also just learn what Dark Sky means. Um, when they announced the name, I was like, what does that even mean? So I'm like Googling, yeah. what's a Dark Sky City? Um, <laughs> and really like learning that too. Yeah, that's a fun connection just back to the Flagstaff community that I think a lot of people might initially just think like it's this off the cuff name that nobody really understands, but it really does have a connection to the community here yeah. and um, Flagstaff being the first international dark sky city and first in the U.S. and all that. And so, yeah, it's really a connection to the community where we're trying to build just being a new team. We're trying to build in with the community and have them support us and us support them and um you know, it's, it's, it's a super cool name that we, I, well, I wasn't, I, I shouldn't say that I was involved in the naming. I wasn't, um, but, but it was a name that I was excited yeah. about because it was um, just something that carried meaning and connection and um, was a little bit more unique than just like, you know, something Flagstaff elite or Flagstaff yes. distance group or whatever, um, which I think was discussed, but I think was quickly kind of tossed aside because they wanted something with a little bit more meaning behind it. Yeah. We on Up and Running, me and my co-host kind of had a debate when then the name was announced about who if, if we thought the name was cool. And I was like, I think it's so cool. And she's like, but nobody knows where they're from. I'm like, you can Google that. Like Dark Sky Distance right. sounds so badass. I would want to yeah. be a team called Dark Sky Distance, but yeah. No, well, I mean, the thing about it too is that like, you know, if you really think about it, no one knows where like just to say Bowerman Track Club right. doesn't give any insight into where they're based necessarily. Um, Hanson Distance Project, that doesn't right. tell you they're based in Michigan. So yeah, I don't think you need to have like a really specific moniker for where your group is named. And um, I was excited about the name. I think yeah. most, the reception has been like really positive for people who like the name, who like the logo. I'm actually wearing a Dark Sky shirt right now. Orange is my favorite um, color. So I love the logo and the colors. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to have, I think the plan is to have some merchandise for sale cool. going up soon for sale. So people have been requesting that a lot. Um, and it is in the works just for anyone cool. who might be wondering. <laughs> awesome. Well, so with the Under Armour, what is like your favorite shoes, your products that you have been getting to try now? Yeah, it's been really fun to be able to work with a company that I can have a lot, of, like immediately I can have a lot of input. Um, I happen to be sample size, which is really fortunate Perfect. for me. So um, I get to test prototypes. I've already been testing prototypes and giving feedback and we're working on a shoe, um, you know, a carbon plated shoe to, to be um comparable with you know the other brands um and to be kind of on a similar fighting um similar playing field um and but in the meantime my my favorite training shoe like daily training shoe is probably the sonic um the hover sonic uh it's just kind of an everyday trainer neutral training shoe love that one i really like the velocity racer right now which is kind of my workout shoe they've just recently updated that and added some new foam um which i that's i have done like one workout since I got COVID. So, and it was on Tuesday of this week. So I'm kind of just getting back into it, but um, enjoying the process of like 
learning the new shoes and trying everything out and um, immediately finding some that I really like and, and enjoy training in has been kind of a relief because that's, it's just such a discussion now with all these different brands. And when you're considering um, sponsorship from different companies, you just, it's, you know, there was just an announcement yesterday of a Canadian Olympian who was like going into the lab and testing one brand versus another brand and seeing yes. like who, you know, how she physiologically responded to each of them and then using that to kind of decide which brand she was going to go with. And yeah. um, I certainly respect that method, but it's just so crazy how, how much the dynamic has changed with sponsorship and shoe choice and people that are choosing to forgo sponsorships just so they can wear one shoe. And um, it's been really interesting. So um, I'm really glad to be working with Under Armour and, and that they have this commitment to performance and innovation and they're willing to listen to their athletes. And we're on calls um, pretty frequently where we can provide input and really have a say in the direction that some of the different products go. So that's, it's a fun opportunity for us to be super involved and to actually have our input be utilized. That is really cool. All right, everybody, I'm going to hop in here real quick to talk about a sponsor that has been supporting All Have Another as well as Up and Running for these past couple of months. And that is Gooder. Gooder makes the best sunglasses for running, really just the best overall sunglasses that you can buy. They are stylish. They are cute. They don't budge when you're running. They're functional on the run, but then they look cute when you grab coffee or, you know, in non-COVID times, brunch with your friends after a long run. You can head over to gooder.com slash another to check out Lindsay's picks. Or if you want to see mine, Abby's picks, you can head on over to gooder.com slash uprunning to see the sunglasses that we have and love. You can use either of those codes. That would be either another or uprunning to get 15% off of your order at gooder.com. Look good, run gooder. If you don't mind, I would love to talk a little bit more about your experience with COVID. Um, you got it. You mentioned at the end of September. What was your mm -hmm. experience like with it? What kinds of symptoms did you have? And I know you've mentioned that you like are working closely with doctors. And I've seen a couple of elite and pro athletes who have gotten it, but you're the first one to mention kind of that step. So I'd love to hear why you made that decision, who kind of said to get some guidance from doctors and just all that. Yeah, so it, it started, I think I tested positive um, September 29th, I believe. And I had just gone to Telluride for a couple of days. I went on a little three-day trip. I was like, I'm going to be outside. I'm going to be peeping leaves. It's not going to be a problem. Um, and I came back from that trip on a Saturday night. Sunday, I was exhausted. I was just like so tired all day. And I thought like, man, am I just old? Like maybe I just don't handle travel as well anymore. I don't know. Um, and I was sitting in the car for six hours. And so I was like, ah, maybe it's just like, I'm, I'm a little sore on my neck and shoulders from the, you know, being in that driving position. I don't know. So I had all these rationalizations yeah. for why I felt how I was feeling. Um, but then, uh, so that was Sunday, Monday morning, I got up, I went for a run just like I do every day on this route that I run all the time. And I was like hyperventilating. And I was like, something is not right. Something is super weird. Um, 
maybe I just have a little cold, maybe, you know, just coming down in elevation from being up in Telluride, um, something weird. So I went, I was like, I'll just go get tested just to be sure, just to like cross it off the list and make sure it's not that. And then Tuesday night, I got the notification that it, my test had come back positive. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like sat there in shock. I was like sitting in my kitchen at the counter and I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, you know, you see all these terrible stories of um, people getting really sick, going on ventilators, going in the hospital, people dying, countries shutting down, you know, just the extent that this pandemic has affected everyone, whether you personally or someone you know, or your family or your friends. And so to have it like, to, to open up your phone and see, you know, positive result, you're like, what do I, how do I respond to this? What do I do? Um, so I immediately shut down. I, I stopped running right away. I didn't run um, starting that next day. I had already run Tuesday morning, but starting Wednesday, I didn't run anymore for two weeks. And I started to feel like for a couple of days, um, had achiness in my neck and shoulders, had a migraine for like three or four days. Um, that shifted kind of into some congestion. Then I lost my smell and taste, which is when for sure I was like, before that, I was like, maybe it's a false positive, you know, (laughs) trying to like be optimistic about it. But then I was like, you know, once I lost my smell and taste and it was very, it was like all of a sudden I can still remember like getting out of the shower that morning, going to put on my my deodorant and being like, I I can't smell this. Is this, it was like the faintest, faintest smell. And I was like, is this, this is weird. So I like shoved it up to my nose and I couldn't smell it. And then I ran to the kitchen and oh, I, no. under the sink, I grabbed like a bottle of vinegar. Yeah. I, like popped open the vinegar and I tried to smell, you know, usually that'll like, hit you in the face <laughs> and you're like, Oh, okay. got that. Couldn't smell the vinegar, open up a jar of peanut butter. And that was like the, the, you know, the last straw. You're like, I All right. smelled the peanut oh. butter and I was like, this has been my favorite thing for years and years and years. I can't smell it. Um, something. Yeah, I guess I do have it. And so that was the biggest thing, but I will say that I was super fortunate. I, I, um, my symptoms were mild. I I didn't get like a, a crazy cough. I didn't get super sick. I wasn't like bedridden for days or weeks at a time. It could have been way worse. Uh, so I'm really grateful for that. But then also at the same time, like, just worried about what this could mean for the future of my running career. You know, there's, there's just not been enough long-term research because we haven't, it's not been around that long. So like, we don't know how it affects people longer term and we don't know, you know, if it can create heart complications, lung complications, you know, stuff with blood, you know, there's just all these different ways that it could be affecting us, you know, particularly an endurance athlete, um, which was kind of, you know, as I'm doing all this reading online, um, which sometimes was good. And sometimes I was like psyching myself out because, you know, you read one study and it says one thing and then you, I'm like calling my coach or my parents or somebody and being like, oh, no, this could be happening. I don't know. Um, just, you know, really, really bad things. And so I was like, I need to take it to a doctor. I need to like make sure that I can safely start training again. And so I've done some blood testing. Actually, just this morning, I did another blood test with Inside Tracker, um, just to kind of make sure that post COVID, like there's nothing really weird about anything in my blood. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll come back normal um, within a couple of days or a week. And then yeah, I was just working with a doctor, working with a cardiologist, working with a high performance doctor at USA Track and Field, and just trying to figure out 
Like, is it safe for me to return to training? What's the progression like? How should I approach it? What should my expectations be? And I think some of that has had to be tempered a little bit, but also at the same time, it's given me some hope that like you can overcome this, you can work back from it, um, but you just have to really be smart about it and be safe. Yeah, that's good. I really appreciate you being so open about the process because I feel like not everybody shares that and not that they have to, but I think your story and your example, one, will demonstrate to people that it can have like long-term ramifications and you have to be careful about it. And like just this, all the steps you're taking are, is interesting to see. And then at the same time, you're reminding people to wear their masks and stay safe. And I think just what I have heard as I've shared, like, I mean, we're basically, we're in California, so it's, well, it's bad everywhere, but it's been bad here like the whole time. So we just basically stay home. um, And people are like, if you get it, you'll like, you're not going to die. You'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, but I like running and I want my lungs and my heart to function well for the rest of my life. I don't want my kids to like not be able to do sports if they get it because something weird happens with their lungs. And so I appreciate you talking about the possibility of that stuff and like why we should, you know, continue to be careful, even if we're young and healthy and not worried about the worst outcomes. Yeah. And you know, that just, just to that point, I I do think one of the things that was scariest for me about the whole experience was that I do know personally of a few young 26 year old, otherwise extremely healthy, extremely active people who were hospitalized for weeks um, with COVID. And so it does happen. It, It might be less common in our age demographic and in, in the healthy healthier population but it is still it does still happen and you know there are still young people dying and yeah. um just to know that like i wasn't like being reckless i was wearing my mask everywhere i went um i was i didn't eat out a single time between march and september um coincidentally right before i got sick i actually did eat in a restaurant which i think may potentially have led to me getting it. I don't know that for sure. There's not really going to be ever a way that I can know for sure how I contracted it. But yeah, just to still urge people to like maintain caution and like it's way worse now than it was when everyone was freaking out about it um, initially. So like just the fact that it's so many people have kind of normalized it is dangerous. And I think that's why we're seeing such a surge right now. And you know, there's so many people that will say like, well, you're not really going to get sick. It's not going to kill you. It's like, it might not, but it also could. And that was the scary thing for me was that I didn't know, was I going to get a really mild case of it? Or was it going to be mild for the first week and then just like take off in the second week and I would get put in the hospital and yeah. um, on a ventilator and you just don't know. And yeah. so I don't think it's worth the risk to yourself. I don't think it's worth the risk to family and friends. And I don't think it's that much of an ask to uh, ask people to wear a mask if they have to go out for some reason. Yeah. That's and so opinion. did your boyfriend get it as well? Or did he somehow not get it? Yeah, he somehow did not get it. Um, it's which is still crazy. I don't understand. Um, because as soon as I got my result back, I was like, okay, we need to separate like you need to, we need to sleep in separate rooms, we just need to have like our own spaces, I'll just quarantine, you know, in our room, I'll we have the TV, we can I, like, you can put stuff at the door, and I'll just like pick <laughs> up my food at the door. Um, you know, whatever we need to do to make sure that you stay safe. And, um, but by that time, by the time I got the test and then got the positive, we had still been together every right. minute of every day. So it's like his opinion was that at that point, he either had it as well or wasn't going to get it. Um, and he went and tested, I think, the day after I did. 
um, and it came back negative. And then I had him test again a few days later and it came back negative. And then when I tested negative two weeks after my first positive, we both, uh, or I had them him test again and it still came back negative. So, um, yeah, so he somehow managed to sidestep it all together, which I'm really grateful for because I think, you know, it's like we were just talking about it a minute ago. It's the sad reality is like, we do have to be thinking not only about ourselves, but also about the people around us and the fact that like, if I got sick that I could have potentially given it, given it to someone else, um, obviously not intentionally. And I, as soon as I found out, I isolated and quarantined myself, but, um, you know, you just don't know in those couple days before you really start feeling badly, that incubation period, I did have interactions with other people. And so it's just, it's just scary to know like how, how it may or may not affect other people. But thankfully, yeah, it did not affect him. That's wild. My hu- So early on, my husband had a cold like in March. And so he got tested. And that was when the testing was taking forever to come back. So mm. he was quarantined for a week in our like downstairs back bedroom and it ended mm. up coming back negative. But that was like the worst week of the whole pandemic because <laughs> I was like all day every day with the girls but like he was here and he was like in the back room playing video games i was like this is so <laughs> yeah annoying um <laughs> and i keep joking like when do i get my week of quarantine like i'm right. just gonna like hole up in the room for a week and just all my duties are gone but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but you guys have been like obviously we've talked about a lot of things you've done this year you've been had a very busy and positive 2020 outside of instance of getting covid um, what other things have you picked up or been doing to keep busy during quarantine? You mentioned that you'd like to do some home projects, that you might have been doing some cooking and baking. Um, so what have you been doing to fill your time yeah. outside of running? Yeah. Um, yeah. 2020, just with starting off basically with the marathon trials where I was kind of buckled down and I wasn't focusing on really anything other than just training yeah. um, and recovering from that training. Then going into with that race being February 29th, basically starting March 1st, I was like, well, I have some free time to get into some other things. And I always take a break after a marathon. So um, I was on this kind of two week break, which is coincidentally when everything started shutting down. Um, So I would say, you know, during that break, I definitely was indulging a little bit more in some sweets and some food that maybe sometimes I wouldn't if I was in really heavy training and um, was baking a lot. I was making a lot of cinnamon rolls. That was like the quarantine thing. If you remember, like way back in March, everyone started making cinnamon rolls and sourdough bread. Um, I tried both. I'm better at cinnamon rolls. Uh, way easier than sourdough. Sourdough is hard. Way easier. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, I was struggling with the starter for some reason with the sourdough, but um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just have this love of cooking and baking and I, a couple of years ago, kind of channeled that into like weaseled my way into being a recipe tester for Shalane's cookbook, yeah. um, which was a super fun experience. And I actually, during part of that was doing, was staying at her house leading into my first Berlin marathon. Okay. Um, I stayed at her house in Portland with her and, um, was just getting some guidance from her and that coincided with when they were doing some photo shoots for the book. And so it was really fun to see the behind the scenes of going into what went into the first book, um, run fast, eat slow. And I now, you know, I still use those cookbooks all the time and I'll flip through and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I was in the background of this photo. And (laughs) there's one that they're sitting at a farm table at a farm. And I was like right behind the camera. And so it's just fun to have known some of the background of that and to have like stayed kind of involved in that process a little bit. 
Um, and then I was a tester in the first and second cookbooks, um, not in this most recent one that they're going to come, come out with, I think in fall of 2021. Um, but yeah, just a fun, just a fun way for me to kind of blend like a friendship that I had with like this little, you know, hobby of cooking and baking yeah. that I had with, you know, then also to see the finished product and to see, you know, to have the books on my bookshelf and to actually use them every day. And um, there's like a pride with that when someone comes over and they, you know, or that, you know, someone stays at my house and I have all my cookbooks displayed and they're like, yeah. Oh, what are these? Um, Cause they kind of stand out like with the yes, white spine yeah. and the letters and the, you know, and um, so they do stand out. And so people always ask about them and I'm like, Oh yeah, if you flip to page, blah, blah, blah. Like you can see that I mentioned in there. <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing. So that was kind of my initial, my initial quarantine. And then yeah, home projects have become a big thing for me this year. And they, they kind of have always been, I've always been working on something like I, I like owning my house so I can like make changes to it, you know, and um, the biggest ones this year have probably been um, I, I uh, renovated two of my like guest bathrooms. Okay. Um, so one of them was a complete tear down to the studs and then rebuilding it. And it looks, way nicer and updated and it's not leaking through the floor anymore which is a huge plus that's a plus um that's what it all that's kind of how it began and then I was like well I did this one so I might as well do this one too um so then I did a second bathroom complete basically complete renovation as well um and the next on my list is probably my laundry room yeah, yeah. we, we just little by little room. like yeah. moving room by room throughout the house and now, I you, enjoy it I just yeah. like working with my hands and do you do most of the work yourself yeah, yeah. So we did, um, I did the tear out completely by myself, which is really fun because you just get to smash things and like, it doesn't matter if yeah. you break something because you're throwing it away anyway. Um, yeah, so I did the tear out completely by myself. And then my boyfriend's dad is a contractor. Oh, cool. Um, so he and my dad flew out during the same weekend in June. And the four of us, my, myself, my boyfriend and both of our dads, kind of helped to tackle the project for a few days. And then I finished it on my own with just some of the finishing touches of, you know, some tile work and some like um, moldings and, you know, that, you know, painting and that kind of stuff. But the easy stuff for me to finish on yeah. my own. But um, <laughs> That's a fun project yeah, like, to do together. It was fun. And then just to have the final product, you know, be like something in a guest room, especially that yeah. you can have other people see and other people get to use. It's, again, it's just another one of those things that I'm proud of. And it's like, yeah, I did that. It's, you know, it's fun. And it was way, way, I think I, I figured out the cost of it. I think it was like a fifth of the price oh for us to do it ourselves than it would have been. Cause I got, I, I um, brought in some other contractors to see if it would just be worth having someone else do it. Um, and then it was really, really gratifying to have done it for about a fifth of the price that they were going to charge me. Yeah. So. Bathrooms get, are expensive, like what yeah. they'll quote you to do. And if I was to rotate my computer a little bit that way, you would see that our bathroom is like half tile and then half still like the orange <laughs> waterproofing sheet. Cause we are, Oh yeah. this has been our master bathroom has been a project for a really long time. Um, but it's so funny the way that it like makes you notice things in other people's bathrooms. Not like I'm not judging other people's bathrooms, but we like went to Mammoth this summer for a week and the Airbnb that we stayed in, they had like clearly just like renovated the bathroom, but they like the 
tile that they picked for like the accent strip was a different thickness than like the other tile so it was mm-hmm. like inset and we're like oh we're like picking apart all the little things we're like they didn't <laughs> wipe off the ground enough um so it is funny how you just start to like once you get in the habit of doing those projects you're seeing it everywhere like what could be better what you would want to do with the space yeah i and i i've for years i've watched all of those home renovation shows and Fixer Upper and Flipper Flop and just all those HGTV yeah. <laughs> um, reality shows. And so I've, I kind of like started to see a lot of that just by watching those. And then when I was designing the bathroom, you know, to actually make the changes, it was, I was spending so much time picking the stuff and trying, cause I was like, oh, in the show that they like walk into the store and they're like, yeah, that, that, and that for the floor and you're done. Um, but then in reality, I had to go to like, six tile stores and I drove to Phoenix to look at tile and I was like going crazy trying to make sure because I was like this is a pretty permanent thing like a tile bathroom is like a big (laughs) commitment you know you're not going to just like paint the wall and then repaint it in a week if you don't like it yeah Um, so it was a big commitment but I think having watched all those shows and having just like paid attention when like when I was buying my house looking at all the real estate and I'm kind of always looking at real estate just because I'm interested in it um so just to see other trends that other people are uh, putting into their homes and then to be like, okay, yeah, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I want to kind of go with this to keep it with the theme of the house. And um, so it was a fun project for me. And I think now that I've done it a few times, like my brother has started talking about flying me when it's safe to fly again, flying <laughs> me back to Delaware yeah. um, to help him with his bathroom. And like, you know, my parents had me so help them design their new house. It's just like little fun ways yeah. to get into you know, different aspects of real estate and um, just like home design. But now that I have the personal experience of doing it, it's kind of easier uh, to do and and a little bit more fun as well, because it's not as stressful. I don't have to worry as much about ruining something. (laughs) Yeah. Do you and your boyfriend have the same style or does it have to be a compromise? Yeah. So, well, we, I think we do have really similar styles, but the compromise that we're having to make right now is just that the the style of the house that I live in is very um, like traditional craftsman okay. style yeah. home, um, which we love. But if we were designing a house from scratch, it probably wouldn't be this. Right. So I love my house, but it, but our like design aesthetic, if we were doing it from scratch would be very different. So yeah. I think we're both like aligned in what we like, but in order to fit the style of this house and not make it look really out of place and really wild and crazy um, or like too modern or too simple um, in order to really fit the house. I think we had to kind of compromise, but not yeah. with each other, but just with the house. Itself. With the house. Yeah. My husband yeah. is very loves like industrial. I'm like that. No, you have a family with two small children. Like that's not going to work. We can't have like stamped concrete floors. Like <laughs> it's just not going to work. Yeah, uh, it's funny that you say that because we really do like that style. But, oh, um, it's very. Ha- I love it. I just yeah. No, but it, practically for you and your family, yeah. you're probably not the right choice. We just have dogs, so it's kind of uh, you know, it's it, we could make it work in that yes, regard. Yes. With um, I saw on your Instagram that you have two dogs and there was a picture of you with a third dog making a joke about getting a third dog did you get the third dog or do you just have the two no we just have the two we have a a boxer and a great dane but there actually has been discussion of a third so we'll see yeah there's um the the third dog was my boyfriend's parents new puppy that they got a golden doodle um she's 
adorable. Uh, and there has been talk of us potentially at some point getting a golden doodle. Yes. So I don't know if it would be while we already have to, or if we would wait, but, um, you know, I wasn't really anticipating having two dogs to begin with, but, um, <laughs> I found my second one as a rescue and I fell in love with her. And, um, that my first one actually was a rescue as well. So I haven't really anticipated having the dogs when I did, but I just, you know, it was just a spur of the moment thing where yeah. I went to a shelter or found one online and then went and visited and just fell in love and I couldn't leave without them. So that's how, that's how um, it happens. Huh? I, yeah. with both of our dogs, I just like mentioned offhand to my husband I was like oh we should get a dog oh like we should get a dog I could run with and then like the next day he's he's sending me links and we're like picking up the dog <laughs> yeah yeah that's basically I my yeah. first one came when I was recovering from my hip surgery okay and I was like I actually it was it's kind of a funny story because we had it was in January of 2017 there were a bunch of people training in Flagstaff and I think there was one night that I had like all of the Bowerman women at my house and a couple of people from at the time it was the NorCal distance project. Yep. Um, and I remember Leah O'Connor, who's now Leah Falland, she brought her dog over. She had a golden retriever Harper. And she was like, yeah, I kind of, I got Harper when I was recovering from my Achilles rupture after the 2016 track trials. Um, and it just kind of like got the wheels spinning for me. And I was yeah. like, I'm recovering from a surgery. I wonder if it would be nice to like have a companion. And so I went with a couple of the people that I had staying at my house at the time um, to this shelter. And I was like, I'm not bringing a dog home today. There's no <laughs> way. I'm just going to start like maybe entertaining the idea. And I went, I saw who's now my dog, Harlow. Um, I saw her one day and I was like, oh no, I'm in trouble. I was like, <laughs> she is just exactly everything that I would want in a dog. Yeah. And so I didn't bring her home that day. I did keep my word, but I went back the next morning at like nine o'clock. I, <laughs> awesome. yeah, I think on the way home from the shelter the first day, I think I stopped at like PetSmart or Petco or one of those places and like bought the bed and the bowls and the leashes. So I knew that I was going yes, back. Yes. And I was like, just out of, I don't know, stubbornness. I was like, I'm not bringing her home today because I'm going to sleep on it and be smart about it. Um, but then I brought her back first thing in the morning. It was, yeah, it was like, it was like 15 hours later. Yeah. I brought her back. I think Kate, Caitlin, Greg Goodman also got a dog like last year, the year before when she was injured. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's a good time to get a dog when you can't run. (laughs) Yeah. I loved it. I, I, Brandon and I weren't together at the time, so it was just me basically in the house and I was rehabbing all the time. So I wasn't able to run yet. I didn't have that outlet. And I was just, I mean, to be honest, like I was sad. I was depressed. I was lonely. I didn't have my team to train with. And so, yeah, for me getting that, getting her as a companion was, was awesome. And um, a great decision that I've never once regretted. And normally, like if I had my bedroom door open, she'd be laying like (laughs) right here with my other dog. They would normally be in the background if I didn't have the door closed. Yeah, no, that's fine. (laughs) Um, And so do either of them run with you? Yeah, the smaller one, the boxer can run with me sometimes, not in the summer, but uh, it's just she gets too overheated. But the Great Dane is prone to hip issues, so um, I don't run with her. She's, yeah. she's too big. She's 125 pounds, and um, she likes to – it's funny, like, if you stand in my backyard and you watch the dogs play, but the Great Dane will stand right in the middle, and she'll kind of just, like, pivot and rotate, and the boxer will just be running circles around yes, the whole yes. yard. She'll just be, like, on these – on these tears around the yard. Zoomies. Um, 
the, the zoomies. zoomies. Yeah, that's what we call them too. <laughs> She's just zooming around the yard, under the deck, up onto the grass, and then the the Great Dane. Her name is Pico. Yeah. Um, she just turns and faces whichever direction the box, like my <laughs> boxer, is running. Um, so yeah, the boxer is a runner. The Great Dane is not. Yes. So we installed one of our quarantine projects was getting the girls a playhouse and my husband put like a little fence with like wood chips so that the dogs like won't go in there little did we know that one the little dog can go under the fence and the big dog just jumps <laughs> over the fence so he was doing zoomies around just like jumping the fence jumping the fence and then doing the yeah. loop and then jumping over i was like what is he doing out there they they're also feeling a little cooped up i think <laughs> yeah i think mine are too yeah. Well, let's get into the end of the podcast questions. These are questions that Lindsay asks every guest when they're on. Um, and the first one is, what's one thing that you would like to do professionally or personally that you haven't done yet? Oh, um, I think just in kind of keeping with our um, the theme of what we were talking about earlier, I think one of the things I would really love to do is successfully flip a house. Yeah. Yeah, I think to like buy something really run down and um, turn it into something beautiful that can then be, you know, a starter home for someone or, um, you know, a starter home for a family or something. I think that would be a really cool experience. And is that what you would want to do like professionally post running? Uh, it's something I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm thinking about getting into that, maybe getting into real estate, which obviously would kind of coincide. Um yeah, I, I, and that, you know, along with coaching too, I, I'm not yeah. sure like exactly which direction it's going to take, but um, I have a lot of different things on my mind right now. And I've always kind of been someone who has their hand in a lot of different pots. So um, we'll see what it eventually turns into, but something I'm interested in for sure. That's really cool. And then what is an accomplishment that you are most proud of? Um, probably, well, running wise, probably making a world team back in 2014, I made the world half marathon team, um, kind of, kind of unexpectedly. Um, so that's something I'm super proud of. And then, um, just personally, probably maybe like buying my house at 27, you know, I, I, it's something I, I acknowledge like how fortunate that I've been and how like grateful I've been to have had the support that I've had along the way and to have been in a position where I was able to afford that at 27. That's really awesome. What is a nonprofit that you like to support? Oh, um, one of the things that I really like to support is the It Gets Better, it Gets Better campaign, um, which is really just supportive of the LGBT community. Um, there's obviously a lot of, we've made a lot of progress, but there's still a long way to go with discrimination and um, laws against LGBTQ people. Um, and so that's one organization that I really like. And there's another one, um, that I just found recently that's called Glisten. I think it's G L S E N, um, which is more, um, it's like more education based. So it's, it's kind of for school age kids from kindergarten up through high school. Um, and it's really aimed at fighting against bullying, um, for LGBTQ people as well, yeah. um, because it is something that is unfortunately still just really prevalent in yeah. in schools and um i dealt with it a little bit growing up um so if there's a way that i can support a group that's fighting against that and to hopefully make lives better for the next generation of lgbtq people then um i would i would love to like give my attention to that yeah that's awesome we'll link uh, to both of those in the show notes and awesome. one thing that i did we're going to take a pause from the end of the podcast questions, ask you is um, 
I know on coming out day, national coming out day earlier this year, you posted on Instagram about like just kind of your experience with coming out and how it took you a little longer. And you've mentioned that you're, you feel old in this podcast. I wouldn't call you old. You're only two years older than me. Um, But how do you feel when you see these like younger athletes that are able to like come out in college and like be really good on like the athletic side of things and also be true to themselves? Like how have you like felt about that trend and well, like what is something that we as the running community can do to support those athletes? Oh, I love it. I mean, I think if we're getting to a, we're getting to a point where people are starting to feel more comfortable coming out at a younger age, I think that's huge progress. Um, there's still, and there's still a long way to go for a lot of people, but, but I think just starting with that even, and, and, um, I talked about this on a, on a recent, um, webinar with runners world is like, just lending an ear to someone, um, just listening to their experience and acknowledging their experience without dismissing it is huge. And so this is a really big deal for some people and for other people, it's like, who cares? Um, which is great. Ultimately it would be great if everyone felt that way, but it's not the case yet. Um, so yeah, I think it's amazing that we're, that we're moving in that direction. And I, I love to see like the next gener- generation of kids, and just people like being able to find their voices earlier and not maybe not deal with as much like inner turmoil as you know I did or as some other people might have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been fun to see athletes like Nikki Hiltz and um, Emma mm-hmm. Gee just being able, just like kind of basically forming a community around that. And I know Nikki has reached like people outside of the running community and kind of brought them into running through that avenue, which is really fun to see with her. What was I don't remember what it was called, but with the five k that she did in June, that was fun. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool to, and it's really just I talked about this as well on the Runner's World yeah. webinar. Is just like having connection with people and yeah. and finding a way that you can connect with someone. And um, I think that's one of the things probably that young people in the LGBT community probably struggle with growing up. It's like finding like finding their group of people. Um, yeah. I know I struggled with that. I didn't really feel like I had very many like deep connections with people because I was hiding something about myself that was so like such a foundation of who I was um, that I didn't feel like I could get close with people really. Um, so I think now, like I really value that connection and that closeness and to be able to have those connections with people in whatever community, whether the running community, LGBT community, your local community. Um, it's just a really special thing that I think people growing up a lot of times maybe take for granted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, moving on to our next question, if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, who would it be? I think I've always, I've always thought it'd be really fun to meet uh, Anderson Cooper. Okay. Yeah. And like partially because, okay, there's a little bit of a story to this. <laughs> partially because um, just, I, I always enjoyed like watching his, you know, his segments and his news, his new stuff. But then when he came out a few years ago, I was like, Oh, even better. Like another reason that I like this person. Um, but then if you remember, this is going back, I think like six years, I think it was in 2014 leading into the Boston marathon. He did a segment on 60 minutes with Shalane Flanagan. Okay. No. So yeah. So there was an interview. It started as an interview about it was leading into the Boston marathon and how Shalane wanted to win Boston and bring, you know, the hometown pride and all this stuff. And um, and I remember in part of that segment, they went to the track in Portland and he, like Shalane was running her marathon pace around the track and, and Anderson was just trying to keep up. 
And I feel like it was one of those cases where we just saw a completely different side yeah. of him than like the stoic, like news anchor, you know, seriousness. And you saw him like giggling and like <laughs> laughing and trying to sprint around a track with Shalane. And it was just fun to see a different side of him. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think he would be a super interesting person Same. to, to meet and like have a meal with or have coffee or whatever with. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that I think about with Anderson Cooper is that video of him when he just like totally lost it and was giggling uncontrollably on air. That's my favorite clip with yeah. him because he's just like laughing so, so much. That was the next thing that I actually was <laughs> going to mention too. Um, and I, I decided to kind of like not mention it, but I'm glad that, I'm glad that you did because it's probably my favorite video of all. Yes. If you haven't seen it, what, what, what could you Google? Like I would just Google like Anderson Cooper giggle yeah <laughs> and like it will come up as just the funniest it's like a two or three minute video of him just trying to get through these puns about going to the bathroom and just hilarious and just seeing again like this normally very stoic news anchor personality yeah. just completely losing it and not being able to even say like four words at a time um i just thought it was hilarious and again just and we've all been there like, <laughs> we've all been there and it just made it so real like you yeah. again about connection like you I found that I formed a connection with him in that moment of him losing it because I, before like there's this otherworldly, like up on a pedestal kind of view of him. But now it's like, yeah, he's just a news anchor who found something really funny and like had the giggles and couldn't get, couldn't get rid of it on air. Um, anyways, so I well, just I'm going to, really I'm going to watch that when we get off. Cause I need a little, a little laugh. That's so funny. Yeah. All right. What is the best, most recent book that you've read? Uh, one that I've just started reading is The Daily Stoic okay. by Ryan Holiday. Um, and it's kind of a, part of what I like about it is it's just really short little like quotes and little um, kind of musings on uh, for, for every day of the year. So it's like a really short passage that you can just oh, read cool. any time throughout the day. And it's kind of it's just about wisdom and stoicism and like um, just just life in general. And uh, it was a gift that I got for my birthday earlier this year from Steph Garcia. Um, who's another runner I'm sure yeah, you're probably yep. aware of and uh, for New Balance. And um, yeah, I just thought it was a really thoughtful gift from her. And um, so I've been working through that and just really enjoying it. And I like that it's not a huge commitment. It's, yeah. like, it's like a two minute read every day, but it's so, you know, it's such, it's such a simple thing to add into the routine wherever it's not like you have to commit to reading like, 20 pages of a chapter where like, right. I don't know, sometimes I just can't hold attention to, to something for that long. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then last one, if you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I think it would be just to, I don't know, like to treat people with kindness and to have empathy and to just acknowledge people's experiences. And even though they might be different from your own, like, not trying not to judge them for it and just trying to um trying to accept people where they are wherever they are and whatever journey they might be going through so just to have kindness and empathy towards that and cliche but just you know treat people the way you want to be treated and that's my parents always said that to me growing up and um it's something that i really i really think about a lot and i just really try to emulate that with with my relationships so simple a simple message but just i don't know be kind to one another yeah love it well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on and doing this. Um, it was fun to catch up and just learn more about you and what you're up to. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks.
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. And a big thank you to Lindsay for giving me this opportunity. That was so much fun. If you guys enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would share it with a friend or running buddy. And in general, if you are loving the I'll Have Another podcast, head on over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. Leave Lindsay a rating and review. Let her know what a great job she is doing. And if you're looking to add some new shows to your podcast feed, I would urge you to check out the other shows in the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. That would be the Illuminate podcast, Lindsay's new parenting podcast called Why Is Everybody Yelling, as well as the podcast that I host, Up and Running. You guys can find those shows really easily. If you are in iTunes, you can just scroll down to the bottom of the I'll Have Another podcast page and you will see more from Sandy Boy Productions where you can click on those shows right there on the same page you're on. If you are a fan of the sport of running, again, I just would encourage you to come on over to the Up and Running podcast. We have a new episode that comes out every Tuesday. My co-host, Abby Stanley, and I just talk about all the latest news in elite and professional distance running. We keep you up to date on what's going on, what race results are happening, what amazing things runners out there are doing. Every once in a while, we'll bring on professional runners to talk about the race they just ran or the record they just broke. So we have a lot of fun over there. It's a casual conversation, just basically geeking out about running. And if you love to geek out about running too or want to hear two running buddies, or if you want to hear two real life running buddies geek out on running, head on over there and we would love to have you. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Have a great rest of your Friday. And Lindsay will be back here with you next week.